feel like um, right, right here in front of this flower many years ago, the Lord gave me a spiritual resurrection in this place and bringing my family back and our church family. My mother's here tonight. My aunt, Donna, my brother, Johnny, Derek are here tonight. This is a, this is a holy ground for me. And this is more than a, just a conference, more than just a preaching conference. This is um, to much, uh, to, to much of my understanding, this is a forging ground for what vision and, and brokenness does when you merge the two of them together. And so I thank God for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that I feel in this place. I give honor tonight to Bishop Wilson and Sister Wilson. We love you. We thank you for your prayers. And uh, Pastor and Sister Young, some of our dearest friends in the world, I love you. I, I was showing somebody driving down the road the other day. I said, I'm, this is probably wrong of me to do. I said, but I want, you, I want to show you why he's my friend. And I turned on my cell phone and scrolled through your early morning Bible lessons to everybody. <laughs> and I said, it's just scripture. It's just talking the word of God. And it is a beautiful thing uh, to have men in your life that are consumed with the passion of the word of God and the things of God. Amen. And I thank God for that. I thank God for uh, TRC family. I love this church. And I believe this is one of the premier churches in Pentecost. And I think God has put you here for a reason. And I think we're going to see some of that reason here in the next 30 minutes or so. How many know that God wants to do something in this house tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Um, Brother Smith preached, man, in a unbelievable anointing on Wednesday night. I told my wife when I got to the room, I said, that was hands down the best first night service I've ever been to in a conference in my life. Amen. I thank God for men that follow the Holy Ghost. Uh, um, Bishop uh, Young preaching the word of God in such a masterful way. Love and appreciate him. And I say all the time, when I grow up, I want to be a Christian like Brother Young. And uh, thank God for Brother Caleb Adams, my dear friend, walking in the Holy Ghost. How many was moved and challenged by that service? Amen, amen. Last night as the word of God came forth, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, amen. As I begin to address in my own spirit and heart uh, whether or not I'm living in a learned helplessness. Amen. And confronting those things in my life that give up possibly too easy. Thank God for Brother Young's preaching. Uh, this morning as Brother Urshan walked in the Holy Ghost and broke the bread and the word of life. Uh, amen. I thank God for the preaching of the word of God. And Bishop, I don't know, there's those moments. Those You wrote books about it, but I just give opening statements about it. One day I'll grow up and give books about it. But it's defining moments like this afternoon. When I leaned over and told a man next to me, I said, if, if God tell me right now, I'd, I'd jump. I'd do anything the Holy Ghost asked me to do right now. How many is thankful for those moments of spiritual formation in your life? Uh, I know that the Holy Ghost is working uh, and the power of the Holy Ghost is moving in this place. If you'll stand with me tonight. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelations chapter 11 and verse number one. I would, I would like to read to you a few scriptures tonight. And I know that this sounds rather um, ostentatious and foolhardy to take the last night of a conference and preach out of the book of Revelation. But notice this is not the book of Revelations. Everybody quotes that wrong. It's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. And the verse one says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a bunch of revelations on the heads and horns and demons and antichrist. It is a triumphant story of how Jesus conquers everything that death and hell can throw at him. Revelation chapter 11 and verse number one. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. 
And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot for forty and two months. And I will give power under my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people of kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the grave. And they that dwelt upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood up on their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And when they heard the voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. And that same hour the earth quaked and the 10th part of the city fell and the earthquake were slain of men 7,000 and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Verse 15, and the seventh angel sounded and there was great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. How many know that God's got this battle? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many know the Lord has this one? You're going to be all right. God's got you. I said you're going to be all right in 2020. God's got you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Amen. I want to preach tonight for just a little bit on the sagging of unjust systems. It, it appears to me that in this book of Revelation, let me say that it, you have all kinds of particular beliefs of who these witnesses were. That doesn't matter to me. That's not what I'm here to preach about. So if you believe that it's Elijah and Moses... Uh, and carry that from uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, that's fine with me. If you believe that it's Elijah or Enoch because they neither tasted death, uh, and some believe that these are neither of those two categories of people, but believe that they are contemporaneous with the times in which this prophecy shall come to pass. I'm not here to make any bones about that. Amen. That's not the focus of my message uh, Man, I want to talk about a prophet on the Isle of Patmos in an unjust world and an unjust system. His name was John the Revelator, and he was cast out on the Isle of Patmos to end his days in slavery and punishment. But God had other plans. Man, what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. 
Amen. What the devil meant to destroy a man, God meant it to build a church and build a nation. What the devil meant to suck the spirit of anointing out of the last living apostle that walked on this earth with Jesus, it only refreshed him and gave him a fresh vision of where Jesus was and who he is. The world that John was in looked like uh, that right was losing and the unjust was winning. Man, my opening tonight is a brief jaunt through history. Uh, Man, in the Roman world, you have Julius Caesar, who was a military genius, uh, but he was an epileptic. He had no power to fix this malady of the body. And so what he did was he convinced uh, that when them that when he had the epileptic seizures uh, and fits that it was divine stress because he was God uh, and that was the stress of divinity on him. Uh, the next Roman Caesar was Caesar Augustus. Uh, this man was one of the more moral that's a relative term, Uh, more moral of the Caesars, uh, had a long reign uh, and was a civil genius, uh, not so much a military genius. Uh, This man is shown uh, a man in the scriptures and played a role, but he appointed one that was Herod the Great uh, over Israel. This man was very immoral. He had five wives, eight sons, uh, and any who shined, uh, a man was killed, uh, including his own 18-month-old baby uh, when wise men came and said uh, that there's a child that's going to be born uh, and he is going to be the king. Amen. Then after that, amen, there is a Roman Caesar named Tiberius. He is introduced to us in Luke chapter 3 and verse number 1, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. This man was a polluted and corrupt figure who in front of the Roman Senate pulled out a dagger from his toga and slit his own little son's neck, declaring to the Roman Senate, I am eternal and my throne will never be taken by another. He was homosexual. Man, it didn't matter male, female, young or old. He was a sodomite to infants and he had even had them thrown over cliffs after that he had molested them. He put a man named Herod, Agrippa, Antipas rather in Mark 6. This is the Herodian that took the life of John the Baptist and beheaded him when his daughter danced lewdly in front of him and he said, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. And she said, I'll just take the head of John the Baptist. It looks like the winner is the evil systems. It looks like sometimes that because judgment against an evil work is not executed speedily, that they are getting by with it and nothing is there to check them and nothing is there to stop them. Enter Herod Agrippa one. Herod Agrippa a man is the man that kills James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder. But in the fourth year of the church, Tiberius dies of syphilis. He's replaced by a despotic idiot named Caligula, who was already insane before he came to the throne because he was born of two parents that their bodies were eaten up with gonorrhea. He had no moral reserve. He was amoral. But in Acts chapter 6, this is when revival broke out in the book of Acts. The greatest revival was when the vilest of degenerates were on the throne. I'm going to preach to you tonight that it doesn't matter your world. It doesn't matter the unjust system. If you have the power of vision and the power of anointing, you can bring kingdoms down. You can shake principalities. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against men, but against kingdoms, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You're going to fight this battle and you're going to come through. 
revival broke out in Acts chapter 6. It was more than just he added to the church. It grew exponentially and broke out into a revival that was exploding. And the Bible said that the great many number of them was in, and they multiplied. After that, Claudius, an absolute moron who couldn't write his own name, took the throne and had the power and the nerve to begin to persecute the church. This is the same one that was so ignorant that he began to let his morals go into some type of sadist way that I can't even tell you this and what he was. But I will tell you this, uh, that because uh, he was depraved in his morals, uh, he was deprived of his dignities. Uh, and all the while the church uh, walks as a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, uh, a peculiar people. Uh, it didn't matter the political climate. Uh, it didn't matter the system around them. Uh, there was a church uh, that refused to bow. They would not crumble. They would not break. The more dirty they became, the cleaner the church was. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stop and say this. Jesus is not coming back because the world's so bad. He's coming back because you're so beautiful. He's not coming back because they're so dirty. He's coming back because you're so clean. He's coming back because he's a in love with a church that had made herself ready without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Don't tell me it's that bad. When this despotic tyranny began to oppress the church, Man, it was here that Herod Agrippa II married his sister Bernice, the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. Man, this is the same one that could have let Paul go in Acts 26. But Paul wouldn't pay a bribe to a dirty system. And that most holy and that most royal of figures the theologian of theologians, a Hebrew of Hebrew, a visionary of visionaries was brought in chains to Rome by these dirty crooks that had no morals whatsoever. But Paul says, careful boys, careful, 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 that though these hands are bound, the word of God is not bound. And while I may be in chains, the book is loosed, the vision is free, the power is anointed. We still, oh God, help me tonight. Are you the one or should we look for another? You go tell him that the blind still see, the lame leap for joy, and the lepers are still cleansed. Go tell him the church is still the church. Nero, the consummate degenerate. Nero, the persecutor of the church. Nero, the one that lit uh, amen, the Appian Way with his filth and his hatred. And then enter, this is the end of your history lesson for tonight. Then enter Domitian. Man, Domitian of the Roman Empire. Man, seeing the corrupt, seeing the wickedness, seeing the vileness, the nepotism, and the dirty tricks of the Herodian dynasty. He moved in himself and stretched forth his vile and wicked hand and moved against this last living apostle. Brother, I'm telling you, if you was John the Revelator, it looks like the wrong system's held up and we're the ones that are getting beat down. Put him out on a rock in the top and in the far-flung regions of the Mediterranean Sea. Threw him out there on a rock to die. But while he was there, man, the Lord 
began to speak to him. And I, John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. No matter what Domitian does, no matter what Caesar Augustus, Julius Caesar, Caesar Tiberius, amen, Agrippa I, Agrippa II, Herod the Great, they can put me on a rock. But if I can get in the spirit, I am loose from this rock. I am loose from this outpost. I am loose from this nether region of the arrogance of hell. I shall stand. I shall embrace my calling. I shall leap into the power of vision. I will not be stifled by the rock I'm on. I will not be punished by the punisher of this system. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 10. Amen. The angel of the Lord. The angel gets this little book. And the angel gets this little book that is that is born, amen, of Jesus Christ himself. And John's listening to the angel in chapter 10, and he just can't stand it anymore. Verse number nine, I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me that little book. And he said unto me, you can have it, buddy, but you got to take it and eat it. You got to get it down inside of you. You got to know what I'm preaching. You got, oh, you can't just get a message on your tongue. You got to get it in your heart. Anybody with a library card can sermonize. Amen. But you need a message down in your spirit to confront the demons to confront the spirits that confront hell. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John, living out a death sentence on the Isle of Patmos, he gets so caught up in the spirit, he starts living a reality that's more real than Domitian. He starts having a kingdom on that rock, Brother Adams, uh, that's already and not yet, uh, but it's real right there to him. Uh, It's more real than Rome. Uh, It's more real than Tiberius. Uh, It's more real than the Senate. Uh, This is what's real. Uh, That's not real out there. Uh, That's not real what you're going home to. Uh, This is real. Uh, Tongue talking is real. Uh, Preaching is real. Uh, The anointed, that's not real. This is real. Tongues are real. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is real. That world is not real. Hey, I want that book. I sat there today and opened this text while Bishop was preaching. And I got to this part. I said, oh God, give me that book. Man, give me that message he's got. Give me that vision that he's got. Give me, I'm ready to take, okay, John? You can have it. But if you have it, you have to live under the mandate of it. You're not, a, see, man, Jesus is a funny deal. You can't be a collector. You can be an antiquarian. You can be an antiquarian book collector, but when you're talking about Jesus, you can't store up revelations and collect them like a librarian. You gotta take them out for a walk sometimes. Because it works when Jesus does it. That's why Jesus got to the book of Luca and he had to stop right there and say, let's break up for a few days, boys. Take my teaching for a walk. You can't just sit in here and learn it, learn it, learn it. Go out there and they come back and say, my God, even the devils are subject. He said, no, duh, they're subject. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, but rather rejoice, rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Verse number 11, Revelation 10. And he said unto me, I'll give it to you. You can have it. It's going to be honey on your mouth. But when you get it down, it's going to turn bitter and you got to get it out. You can have this. You can experience this. But Revelation 10, 11 says, thou must prophesy again. I come to tell someone in this place tonight, you've not preached your best message. You may be on an island on a rock somewhere in your life, uh, but you haven't done your best work yet. You must prophesy again. Who am I going to preach to, Lord? I'm out here on a rock. 
Who am I going to preach to? I'm, I'm financially challenged. The political system isn't aligned for me. It doesn't matter what the political system is. Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. How can I do that? I'm stuck on this rock. This is a mandate. This is the mandate of God. This is the mandate of the holiness of God. You must get off this rock. You must get out of this meeting. You got to run out of no limits this year. Where are you going? I'm going to preach to every kindred, every tongue, and every nation. Come here, John. Come here, John. Come here. You think it's bad. What must it felt like for John? What must it have been like when John takes this, this book right here and he opens it up? Now, mind you, he's stuck out on that rock, guys. He's stuck there and, and nobody can hear him preach and nobody can help him. But he gets this book and he starts reading about these two witnesses. Who are these guys? He said, I will give power unto my two witnesses. Now, I don't believe that everything these witnesses did, I'm going to be able to do exactly like them because they're under a special anointing for their time. But I'm going to take hope right here. Because when John got this message, you know he was liking these two dudes. Saying, hey boys, if you can get out of the powers that be, I'm going to get off this rock and preach again. I'm going to get off this rock and pray again. I'm going to get off this rock and go back to Ephesus. I'm going to revisit the churches that are in Asia. If these boys can live, I can live. If these boys can have power, I can have power. If these fellas can have miracles, I can have miracles. John starts reading. These are they that have power. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. Amen. Forty-two months, three and a half years, one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Amen. I believe that's exactly what the Bible says it is. These are the two olive trees. You got to go to Zechariah 4 to understand what he's talking about there. He said, but fellas, right now there's candlesticks. And you got to keep oil. You got to tote oil and import oil. But one day, I'm going to raise up some witnesses uh, that have both the candlestick and the olive tree standing next to them. They're not going to run out of oil because they're going to self-produce. Uh, out of your belly shall flow rivers uh, of living waters, buddy. Uh, I'm not on a budget. Uh, I'm not barely making it to church. Uh, I've got an oil lamp uh, and I've got an oil tree next to it. Uh, I shall never run out. Uh, how many meetings can you do this? Uh, I'll do this all day long. I'll do this all week long. Because I've got my oil. I've got the oil of the Holy Ghost. Oh man, John started looking at these guys saying, I like this idea. Well, what if they shut down the import? Hey man, what if trade gets too complicated? And what if we can't import oil anymore? And what if the church begins to suffer because of outside resources begin to dry up. John starts reading about these two guys and says, I like this. This is like Marvel for Jesus. This is like Superman and all them combined in these two guys. And John's saying, I can like this. I, I'm on a rock, but I can kind of wish I was like these guys. And the angel tells John, take heart, old boy. This ain't a revelation of beasts. This is a revelation of what Jesus does to people who live in the mandate. And if you live in the mandate, John, of Revelation 10 and 11, I'll let you have the victory of the mandate. Here, let me show you two guys that didn't get out on a limb and start preaching their own doctrine and start preaching their own gospel but remain faithful. Let me tell you something tonight. You got to preach the gospel. You can't just get them to come to church. You got to preach the death. Burial, burial, burial. They got to go down in the water. Paul said in the gospel, I preach to you no other gospel. 
What is the gospel? It's not Acts 2.38. That's the plan of salvation. The gospel is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I have preached unto you the gospel. How Jesus Christ died for your sins and was buried and was rose again. There's a death. There's a burial. And there's a resurrection. If you don't have resurrection in your Christianity, you don't have Christianity. You don't have death. You don't have burial. In your Christianity, that's not Christianity. You gotta preach this gospel. You can't just give them a feel-good message. You gotta get them to die out to sin. You gotta get them to die out to their self. You gotta preach to them. Huh? You can't live like that. You gotta die. Huh? You gotta die out to what you want. You gotta die out to what you love. Huh? And we'll bury you. We'll bury you in water. Huh? Romans 6 says huh? that as many as you're buried like Christ was buried. Huh? And that's in baptism. But he rose again. But he rose again. But he rose again. John said, I'm going to preach what these guys preach. I'm going to preach the mandate. He got to read into this. And he said, if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven that it rain not. That's why I think it's Elijah. This is these that have power to rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood. That's Moses. And to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. And listen to verse number seven. And when they shall have finished their testimony. Some of you are locked in the sovereignty of the Holy Ghost right now. You can't be hurt until your mandate lifts. And as long as you live in that mandate, you're protected by God uh, to preach the gospel. But if I get out of that mandate, brother, I am exposed. I am not rich, I'm poor. I am not seeing, I'm blind. I am not rich, I am not clothed, I am naked. Amen, but when I'm living in that mandate, I'm living in the might of that mandate. I wanna tell you this tonight, that they possess power, miracles, might, by living in the mandate. If you will harness your life to the mandate of God, you're going to see the miraculous. You're going to see the might of the Spirit. That mandate guarantees it. That mandate promises it. You're not going to be without. My name shall they cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. They shall speak with new tongues. I'm going to tell you something. When you're living in that mandate, there's a miracle in it. John's looking at this. And he says, when they shall have finished their testimony. Now, I don't believe I'm these guys and I don't believe you are either. But I'm going to learn about Jesus from this passage. And he says, when they shall finish their testimony. You are not going to end before you're done with what God has called you to do. Quit worrying about whether or not the devil going to win. Quit worrying about whether or not the devil, amen, is going to attack your church. I'm not here to preach demonology. I'm here to preach theology. That's Deus. That's God. And I just want to tell you this. I may not be a good theologian, but I am a theologian. get preachers that stand up and say, I want you to know I'm no theologian. Boop, I'm out. Would you hire a plumber who walked in and said, no, it's going to be $1,800. Just want you to know, I'm no plumber. Brother, I am a theologian. All I'm allowed to preach is theology, theology, theology. The Christ, 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 Christ. God, God, God. Preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. Man, he said, just man, a young man came to me the other day, was talking, he said, he said, you know what, Brother Walker, he said, pray with me, he said, I'll do anything. We're hungry for more. This don't count my generation off. We we loved. We'll shout with you all day long. We'll we'll get in the altars and rah rah all you want. But my God, man, he said we we travel to hear men say something. Uh, we want to hear about the doctrine. We want to hear about the oneness. Let me tell y'all something. Uh, this is our hour. This is our time uh, to proclaim uh, the glory of God uh, in the kingdoms uh, in the kingdoms of this earth. Uh, man, I'll tell you what these witnesses. 
You don't think witness is central? You don't think prophecy is central? You don't think testimony is central? That's what brought out this scripture in the book of Revelation uh, chapter 11 uh, and verse 15. Uh, now is come uh, the time when the kingdoms of our Lord uh, have become the kingdoms. Uh, the kingdoms of this world uh, are now the kingdoms uh, of our Lord and of his Christ. You want the kingdom come? It comes right here in this chapter. It comes right here in this place. And you know what they did, brother? They lived in that mandate. Let me preach to you tonight. I will see miracles in that mandate. I will also suffer persecution in that mandate. I will also suffer possibly martyrdom in that mandate. I'm going to tell you something. I was talking to God a while back, telling God, how do I get these new converts to where they're really apostolic? I want them to be really, really, really just in the apostles' doctrine. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, quit trying to get them to live for me and get them ready to die for me. And they'll be glad to live for me on Monday. Brother, I believe there's a spirit in this church in this week of no limits that has crossed the threshold of whatever you said about managing mediocrity. We're not only ready to live it, Bishop. We're ready to die for this thing. We're ready to stand on the precipice of time and place and say, God, if you have called us to this, drive anybody that's really hearing me tonight. I'm going to live in this mandate. I'm going to live in the miracles. I'm going to live in the might. And if I must, I'll live in the martyrdom of it. But I will not denounce the truth. I will not pawn it. I will not hawk it. These men living in this mandate, John had to take, I told that young man, I said, let me tell you something. I said, there's things that are happening in Pentecost right now that are powerful. Yeah, I'm going to stop a minute and talk about it a little bit. Amen. I know, I know, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward for me to say I'm going to stand on the last night and I'm going to preach expositionally until the power of the Holy Ghost so thick in that place uh, because my power is not in my intellect. Uh, my power is in this book right here. I told him, I said, let me tell you something. You got things going on in Pentecost. You got, you got these meetings that are happening where we're preaching the gospel and we're preaching sound doctrine and we're weighing into these things. You got things like Wilson University at your fingertips. You got things like Hope Corps. You got, how many Hope Corps alumni are in this place tonight? We got a Hope Corps Alumni Association. Pow, I can hit that in a plug. That's awesome. Hey man, that's a great platform to talk about Hope Corps Alumni Association that you can get involved in the kingdom of God and say, I'm going to help my local church have revival on the streets uh, and where I live and I'm going to be a part of the greater vision. And when you get the summit this year, we have some of our, we have some of our elders here tonight uh, and men that sit on the executive council. When you have allowed that when we get the summit, there's breakout sessions that's going to happen uh, under Brother Chapman on Wednesday uh, that's going to talk about how to build churches uh, and how to grow churches uh, and then you're going to get there on Thursday uh, and we're going to be talking about how to do great things uh, in God and become missionary uh, as a missional individual in your local church uh, home missions, global missions all of it uh, and we're going to promote it uh, people don't want fluff Amen. People don't want you to water it down, bishops. Amen. They don't want a 15-minute sermonette. Amen. Did you ever dream in your life, elders, that in your days you would see a revival of long-form conversation come where they would pack stadiums out to listen to Jordan Peterson talk for an hour or two or three, and yet we think they don't have an attention span of 20 minutes? They got plenty of attention span. They're just waiting. They're wanting to be involved in the things of God. Brother, I'm not willing to sell this generation out uh, and say, well, it's too bad. Uh, and the system's rotten. Uh, and the system's junked. Uh, I believe God's got a burning bush. Uh, I believe God's got a Daniel. Uh, God's got a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not ready to die on this thing. I'm not ready to throw in the towel. I'm having fun living for God. This isn't just a good life. This is the only life. 
Hallelujah. Everything else is death. Everything else is decay. Everything else is rot. Everything else is disease. But in the system of God, there is joy. There is anointing. There is light, life, love, liberty. revelation give me that book yeah if you'll just let it go i'll take it okay you can have it there's a mandate john look at these guys look at these guys they're gonna live in that mandate they're gonna have miracles oh me i like that i love the miracles part he said now look john john that ain't all pay attention the mandate has more to that and when they shall finish their testimony the beast that ascendeth up out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. He said, you see these boys right here? You see them? He said, I'll tell you what's happening to them. They're dying and they're being overcome by a system that's corrupt. By an unfair system. Hey, I never said the system was fair. I just said that God is above that system. He is outside of that system. And the book said that when he overcame them, these yahoos started dancing around. It was like Christmas for the demons. And they're giving gifts. Hallelujah. See, I preached on part one of this in Memphis last year. Hey, man, when I preached on telltale signs uh, that you are the indicator, you are the barometer for everything uh, that's going on in the spirit world. Uh, every demon in this region's looking in this room uh, saying, what are they getting ready to do? Hey, man, they were up here singing this song tonight about it being war. You know why that is? Uh, because demons look in this place uh, saying, what's the temperature? Uh, what's the prognosis? What's the thing that we can do? What's the prognosis of what we're about ready to have? You're not going to have success in Ukaipa. You're not going to have success in America because we're going to bind you in prayer. And they're dancing around giving gifts. Merry Christmas for the heathen. Amen. Amen. It's like a Christmas for devils. I'm not a devil. I have Christmas for the good guys. Amen. But that's not what these guys were doing. They were shouting over what tormented them. You know the difference between a godly city and a wicked city is how they feel about a prophet in it. If a prophet's torment to you, amen, then that's spiritual Sodom and Egypt. But if a prophet is the good news and a prophet is the word of God and a prophet is the joy and the prophet is the proclamation uh, of what's getting ready to take place in my family, in my house. Uh, amen. Don't buy into the lie that God isn't going to answer your prayers. Uh, amen. Don't buy into the filth that uh, just because they're partying. Uh, rejoice not against me, oh mine enemy. Don't shout too quick, dummy. Hey, man, they were out there. Yeah, they're dead. Hey, man, their bodies laid in the street for three and a half days. But on the third day, hey, man, the spirit of God entered into them. And they stood up on their feet. I'm going to tell you something. You might have got knocked down last year. But if you're living in your mandate, you shall stand. You shall stand. You shall rejoice not against me, oh, mine enemy. For when I fall. I shall arise, I shall arise, I shall come forth as pure gold, I shall live, I shall have light, I shall have liberty, I shall have blessing, I shall have revival, I shall have miracles, I refuse to die. I refuse to die, I refuse to die. John's reading this, oh my God, this is what I needed to hear. How you think that felt? How you think that felt when John, out on that island, on that rock? Oh my Lord, you mean the system can't eat these guys up? Your church ain't going to go down. Your church can't even fold up. Because as long as you're living in the mandate, you're going to prophesy 1,260 days. 
Hey, you're not dying before I tell you you can die. And when I tell you to die, it's a trick. You just lay down and die and be hushed a minute. Hey, man, we're going to show a show for hell that when you're dead, you're not even dead. When it looks like you can't get it, when it looks like you have no hope, it's all just a spiritual paradigm that God is breathing, God is planting, God is pushing. Resurrection, 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 resurrection. Job 14, 14. All the days of my appointed time shall I wait on my change to come. I'm here on time, but my time is appointed. I'm going to serve where the Lord has asked me to serve. I'm going to be what the Lord has asked me to be. All the days of my appointed time shall I wait, wait for my change. Amen. I'm going to be different one day. One day, mortals going to put on immortality. One day, corruption. One day, if I just stay in the mandate, they're going to knock me around. They're going to beat me down. Hey, man, I'm going to lay dead sometimes. Hey, man, I'm going to say, oh, God, I'll never get up from this mess. But when he says, get up, I shall stand upright. Can you imagine what those gifters were doing? Oh my Lord, they're back alive. You can't keep an apostolic church down. You can't keep a Holy Ghost filled witness down. You can't keep someone baptizing the Holy Ghost down. That's a delusion. That's a... I'm going to get up out of this grave. I'm going to get up out of this problem. I'm going to get up out of this poverty. I'm going to get up out of these ulcers. I'm going to get up out of this cancer. I'm going to get up out of this problem. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. You don't have to lay there. Stand upright. Stand up. Stand up. Don't lay there. Stand up on your feet, he said. John said, my God, if they can do that, I'm going home to preach. I'm going home. Luke 18 and 1. Hey, man, I'm almost done. I'm just having fun. Hey, man, I'm as happy as I've ever been tonight. Luke 18 and 1, there's a lady. The Bible said she's a widow. She was the personification of distress. She was the woman that all the big system had ganged up and beat up on her. She didn't have an advocate. She couldn't afford a lawyer. She was a widow and some yahoo was an unjust judge. The system was against her. The system was ignoring her. Can't get this and nobody will look at me and my dad ain't a pastor and my dad ain't a preacher. I'll never be able to do anything. But you listen to a man preach today who came out of oblivion, who came out of anonymity and said, I'm not, I don't care who's who. I don't need a family. I got God. I got an anointing. God will raise you up. Quit. Quit, quit, quit buying excuses of why you can't be used and why you can't preach and why you can't build a church. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. I shall arise. I shall arise. I shall arise. Please, please, please avenge me of my enemies. System was against her. System walked in. I don't have to pay this woman no mind. She can't hire a lawyer. He's got a little church. He's not big enough name. I don't have to do nothing for you. But because of her importunity, Hush! I'm trying to adjudicate. Just not for you. Because you don't deserve it. The system was rigged. 
The system was corrupt. The system is vile. The system is putrid. The system is demonic. But a woman who understood pray. Luke 18, 1 says, Therefore, men ought always to pray and not to backslide, not to faint, not to grow weary, not to throw in the towel, not to give up. Here's your only two options, no limits. You can pray or you can backslide. Here's your only, I've got three. There ain't a fork train coming, baby. There ain't a bus tomorrow coming. Here's your two options. You can pray. You can pray or you can backslide. If you don't pray, you're not going to be here next year. If you don't pray, your ministry's going to backslide. If you don't pray, you're going to get bitter. If you don't pray, you're going to get broke. If you don't pray, you're going to get heretical. Me are not always to pray. Me are not always to pray. They ought to pray. They ought to pray. They ought to pray. Well, Douglas Walker, I tried that and it didn't work. You don't know what you're talking about. Because Luke 18 says something that it doesn't say. It says that what was really going on, you can't see. Because it's a conversation the unjust judge had within himself. She didn't see it. You don't know. You think you know what you're going home to. You think the opposition you faced for all these years, you think that's what you're going to go home to. But the Bible says that the unjust judge said inside himself, this woman is wearying me. She is driving me absolutely bananas. The unjust judge began to sag in his spirit. I want to tell you something, John. It might on the Isle Patmos on a rock in the middle of the sea, cold. You got gnarly fingers. You got an old broken up back. It doesn't look like the system even knows you're alive. They've banished you to oblivion. They've put you to anonymity. He'll never hear from him again. But while that old man was out on that rock talking to Jesus and getting fresh revelation, the unjust system began to Rome began to buckle just a little bit. The empire began to fold. You go read Edward Gibbon and the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Brother, that's history. I've got something better than history. I've got truth. I've got revelation. Rome didn't fall because free bread. Rome fell because prayer warriors. Rome didn't fall because there was a problem in the sin with corruption. Rome fell because the church wouldn't quit praying and the church wouldn't quit shouting and the church wouldn't quit preaching and the church wouldn't go away Rome began to say Caesar began to buckle Brother Walker you're off you're off by about 400 years of when the Roman Empire absolutely folded its hands and quit oh I know what you think You think it was elephants and Visigoths. I got one better for you. It was preachers and Bible classes and prayer warriors. Amen. That invaded the arrogance of an unjust system. And the system started to buckle. Brother, I believe tonight that this thing's wrapping up. I believe this system is crumbling. I believe that what you're going home to uh, as a formidable force uh, because of what you've danced about in this meeting uh, and what you've wept about and what you've prayed about, when you get home, it's sagging. Uh, Amen, it's a dead man walking. Uh, Amen, it's on its feet. Uh, But it may take a hundred years to die. Uh, But so help me God. Uh, I vow to you a prophecy. Uh, It shall die. Uh, And when it dies, it'll stay put. Uh, But when you die. It's only a resurrection. It's only a moment. It's only a pause. It's only a temporary reprieve. I'm almost done. Amen. But you got to get a revelation of prayer. 
Men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. Give me the mandate. I was sitting there in my spirit. I wanted this microphone so bad while you was preaching. I was like, it's just, it's my, just let me have that book. Let me have what you got in you. Give me a double portion of that spirit. Brother Pentecost, don't move in to the point where we want the little book. Amen. We'll never live under the mandate. But if I get the mandate, I can handle martyrdom because I shall live again. I shall rise in the newness of life and the power of the spirit. to help me get ready to help me man amen you go on youtube and you look at the little little filipino man out there he's breaking big old boulders he don't have no crane he don't have nothing he gets his little nail thing clink bing bing he rears up he gets it stuck in that rock Like, dude, man, how in the world are you a rock splitter with flip-flops? You're a real worker. Get you some steel-toed red-winged boots, man, and go to work. He's out there in flip-flops, brother King. Bing! Bing! He ties his bandana up around his head. He rears back. His hammer's about this big. He has hold two hands. Bing! Bing! And I'm starting to say, you lost your ever-living mind. Flip-flop rock cutter. You need to come to America and we'll westernize you and show you what John Deere and Kubota is and pneumatic jackhammers and bing, bing. But all of a sudden, it's a different tone. Boom, boom, boom. See, yeah, amen, amen. And all of a sudden, the thing changes and a little guy rears back with his little hammer. Bam. And all of a sudden that rock, you see a crack all the way across. You know why that happened? Because he wasn't trying to break it with just force. He was sending shock waves. Uh, you don't break rocks from the outside. Uh, you break rocks from sending shock waves uh, to the core of its value, uh, to the core of its strength. Uh, I believe tonight. Uh, I know you've been to meetings before. Uh, well, welcome back, uh, flip-flop man. Uh, you just keep hitting uh, why don't we just keep preaching uh, why don't we just keep singing uh, why don't something we keep happens when i call your name yeah, something, something happens yeah, yeah. when i call your 